Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you, Lord God of mercy, for the privilege to be here tonight. We thank you for the privilege to, to hear your word and for the work of the Holy Spirit who will reveal the truth to us. We are very grateful for this blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, can you hear me? Sure. All right, we're still talking about living by faith, part two. And our text is Philemon 1.6. Philemon says, I pray for you that the faith we share, TPT translation, the faith we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. That your faith, this faith that we share, faith in Christ, that it will help you effectively to deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. As we live it out practically, as we experience it. So we started last week to look at how to experience the benefits of our salvation as our text has said. The scripture put it in another way, it said to work out your salvation. It didn't say work for your salvation. It said to work out your salvation, to live it out practically, to have the reality of salvation in real life. So this is the second part of our theme for the year. Our theme for 2022 is salvation. See it, meaning know what it, know what it means. Know what salvation means. Unfortunately, many Christians have no idea what salvation means, except they say, Jesus died for our sins, and that's all. But the, what we read says that your faith should effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing. Every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. So, we said salvation, see it, is to bring out all these good things that belong to us in Christ. Because if we don't know them, we cannot now experience them. We can't experience them. So, the second one is to leave it. Leave it is where we are. And the third one is to tell it. Now that you experience it, let your life be um, an, ex an example to be what people see, to say, oh, wow, this salvation is true. Look at this person. We used to know him like this. We used to know him like this. Now we know him like this. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm an example that Christ Jesus truly came to save sinners. Say, if you want to see a proof, look at me. Look at me. I'm a proof. Look at what he said in 1 Timothy 1.13. Even though I used to, be, to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. 14. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. If you want to see the grace of God, look at me. <laughs> he filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying then, 
And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of them all. See, look at me now. He's filled me with this faith that has brought me into a revelation of all the good things he gave me. He filled me with this faith and his love. So when you come, when you, when, you, when you know it and begin to leave it out, it begins to do this other great job, not only for your own benefit, but others begin to see it. That's why we go. The third one is to tell it. So right now we are at leave it, leaving it. Now we leave it by faith only. Romans 1, 16 to 17, TPT. It says, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power, which is salvation. God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. Unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled, I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. You don't have to put anybody on anybody. Once they believe, they're saved. The Jew first, and then people everywhere. This gospel unveils a continual, continual revelation of God's righteousness. Continual. That's what we read in, 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 in our text, that it will bring you effective deepening of your understanding, continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect Righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us, this is interesting, it moves us from receiving life through faith, the beginning, when we came to Christ, we received life through faith, to power of living by faith. I will explain this further. You came to Christ, you received life. Now you go to part two, which is leaving what you have received by faith continuously, continually, continually. So you move from salvation, you saw it, you received it. Now to this same faith with which you received it, the same faith with which you live in it. And we're going to explain this further. And we'll explain, you will understand it by the grace of God. He says, he gives the, the it through, the, through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says, we are right with God through life-giving faith. Life-giving faith. So we receive by faith, and then because of continuous revelation, we continue to live by faith. So the same way we receive Christ by faith is the same way we live daily, in him, by progressively knowing him more and more. Remember, our text said that your faith will give you a deepening knowledge of everything. You see, the first day you got saved, you didn't know everything. You didn't know everything. No. You just said what the scripture said and you received salvation. A 
if you if you conf- if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and if you if you if you um, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, shall be saved. So you believe that, you confess that, you got saved. That there are a lot more things that you we are going to know more. So for you to live, you have received this life, but as you know more of those things he did for you, your faith grabs them, grabs them, grabs them. And then the reality of them begin to walk in areas where they're supposed to be working for you. So, Colossians 2, 6 to 15 is going to show us a lot of wonderful things that belongs to you, which you should also continuously believe is yours as you know them. You continuously believe they are yours. This faith is a personal faith. It's something you have to make yours. It's not the day you got saved, you didn't get saved by... Jesus saves everybody. No. You see, you got saved because Jesus, you accepted it personally for you. And then you got saved. You can't be saved by saying, ah, Jesus saves everybody. No. You have to personally receive him so that you are personally saved. So the same way, all these things he did for you is for you. So you got to personally appropriate them for yourself, own them, believe they are yours, and they'll be yours. So in Colossians 2, 6, starting from 6, and I'm reading TPT. It says, in the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey. See, you receive him, you received life. You received life. Remember our text. It said, the faith, that faith you had at the beginning, it will give you a deepening, a deepening knowledge of everything. So it says you continue your journey of faith every day. Every day. Journey of faith progressing further into your union with him. You kept the, pick up the point where you realize, oh, I'm joined to him. You didn't know this at the first day you gave your life to Christ. You didn't know it. But so your faith started. It's a progressive journey. Of life until you see Jesus face to face. Progressive journey of faith. So you see, your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength. See, you started as a baby Christian, like natural babies. They don't know much, they don't know their home address. They don't know anything, but as they are growing, they know I live at number four uh, Milwaukee Road in Pennsylvania. Then he begins to realize, oh, that's my daddy. Oh, that's my, oh, that's daddy's car. So their root is going into family truths and facts. And they are knowing it. And then he comes to a particular age. He knows everything the father has done. And then when the father is about to leave this world, he tells him everything. This is here. This is here. You do this. You do. So you see, his root has gone very deep now. Gone very, very deep in family things. What he knows now is deeper than what he knew before. Now he knows the father's, the, the father's father. He knows where the, the grandmother came from. He knows where the, you know, his root has gone deep. That's exactly what this is saying. He said, your spiritual roots go deeply into his life. You know, the day you knew him, he hasn't gone deep. He just went in a little. He goes deeply now 
into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. As you get devoted to him, as you are in the family uh, house and business and growing there, your root is more, you know more, you understand more. You can tell, ah, my daddy doesn't eat plantain. But you see, when you were born in the labor room, you didn't know that. You could careless. You didn't just know. So now, in verse, uh, he said, beware that no one distracts you now or intimidates you in your attempt, in your attempt to lead in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when you are filled with when they are filled with endless arguments of human logic don't let anybody take you away from that faith that faith you started with and then the revelation of all that Christ gave you don't let them give you rituals Wake up 1 a.m. and do this one, 2 a.m. And, and when you pray, pray aloud. Don't let them do that. You didn't receive those things from Christ. You did not. He didn't give you that. He didn't die to give you all that. The scripture said those things he died to give you are the things you should be able to continue to know and get rooted in them and understand them more. Don't let people give you what Jesus didn't die to give you. You mustn't take it from them. And some of them come with this idea, you know, I, I had a vision and I had a dream. You know, they want, to, they want to produce an authority to intimidate you by trying to log on to God told me and, you know, I had a vision. You know, they bring that authority that's not scriptural. God didn't give them. But they have to create it because it's demonic so that you accept it. So if you don't know, you say, ah, he will say, Jesus appeared to me and told me this. this. I've said it here. The only thing given to us for instruction, for teaching is the scripture. Jesus taught out of scripture. He will ask them, what the scripture, how do you read it? He said, everything written about me will be fulfilled. Then Paul said, I teach nothing except what the, what the prophet wrote. I go from scripture. Scripture is what is given to us. We know who wrote the scripture. Holy men of God wrote as they were inspired of the Holy Spirit. But we don't know who you saw in your dream. And we don't know who you saw in their so-called vision. We don't know who is that. But we know who wrote the Bible. And the Bible said to us, my word is lamp unto your feet and light unto your path. You follow it. Don't let people do this to you. Don't let them give you practices that the Bible did not recommend for you, that did not come from Christ. It's not what he paid for. What he gave you freely, don't make them make you pay for it. In any way, refuse. It comes from human logic. They think it has to be so. They think it has to be so. That's what the Bible is saying. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system. It doesn't fit into how, you know, we talk of grace, for instance. It, grace doesn't fit into the world system. It's a unique thing. I said it two Sundays ago. Nobody has seen anything like the love of God. A passive human understanding. 
And so when God forgives our sins, we bring this world system and say, it cannot be. Because in the world, we don't. It's not normal to just forgive somebody who did something to you. What is normal is to vengeance. Because we think vengeance is a deterrent. And God says, no, no, no. Love is a deterrent. Love is a deterrent. They will say to God, no, your ways we don't understand. He says, yeah, sure, it will be foolish to you because it is higher than you understand. My, I don't play like the world plays. But this one, it is my mercy. It is the mercy of God that will, that will deliver us from destruction. Keeps us away from it. It, it says so. But it doesn't fit into the mindset of the world. So we think it's foolish. How can God forgive them? So if God forgive them. Eh? So they'll be doing, the same person talking, he's still doing a lot of things himself or herself. But he's looking at other people. What they do? What can be doing that? Don't let people give you what God Christ didn't give you. Don't let people do that to you. Don't let them put burden on you. Jesus came to take away your burden. It's the Pharisees that left burden on people which they couldn't carry. Jesus said, come unto me only that labor. Give me your burden of life. I'll carry it for you. That's the lordship of Jesus. He came to take over. It's not to sit down and be writing, you committed sin here, he write it down. Some people preach stuff like that. He write it there. He, 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 he write it there. He said, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I came to save you. Well, he said, in my kingdom, you don't lord it over people. So he doesn't lord it over people. His lordship is, came to say, I am the lord over everything. Give me your body. You can't handle it. Let me handle your life. Let me change you. Let me empower you. Let me teach you. Let me take over. Let me do it for you. He said, why? I love you so much. I don't want you to suffer. Simple. Simple. Oh, you say, but he said, you call me Lord, Lord, you don't do what I say. Of course. Because one way he will help you is to teach you the way of life. That will, that will make you escape destruction. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world. And not the anointed truth of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. You can't get, there's no other God but one. Christ is God. And our own completeness is now found in him. If you are in him, you are complete. We are completely filled with God. As Christ's fullness overflows within us. This is the kind of thing you must know that is coming from the Holy Spirit and saying, you are filled with Christ. You are complete. You don't need rituals. You are complete. You are, you, you are, you are covenant with God. It says, he is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. Through our union with him, these are the things you come to know further, and then your root goes deeper. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. This is amazing. Brethren, this is amazing. This is incredible. Through our union with him, a new life began. The old one was cut off. 
You can't take a sinful body and unite with God. You see, it will destroy that body. That's what Jesus was teaching. That you don't take the new one and put it in your old wine skin, it will bust it. What he's saying is that you can't take, the, the new one is the Holy Spirit. You can't take God and join with something that God says, I don't behold the iniquity. If you do that, it will destroy that person. It will destroy, instantly destroy that person. That's what Jesus is saying. They don't take new wine and put in old wine. Old wine skin is the old man. He said, when you do that, it will bust it, it will destroy it, it will kill it. Because God says, I'm up for purer eye to behold iniquity. People who in the Old Testament, high priests who go in there, if they don't do sacrifice for themselves, they die right away. That's what Jesus is saying. That this spirit coming has to be in a, in a holy, pure vessel. The new vessel that God is going to make. Because if it's not pure, if it's not holy, if there is sin in it, God, the divine presence will destroy it right away. Destroy it. Right away. God does not behold iniquity. It, it doesn't survive around it. It will destroy it. He said, you don't take a new cloth and, and, and then sew it into an old one. So it will tear that cloth to pieces. What he's talking about? Destroying it. It will ruin your body. Destroy you. Kill you. So he said, through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. We've been made new so that God can now unite with us and we can't be destroyed. We are the new cloth. We are the new vessel sanctified with the blood created to be like God. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away. That's why you're a new, a new vessel. You're not going to bust if the new one comes in you. And it's now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished. Let me read this one. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away, circumcised with the circumcision not made with hand, has been cut away, and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him. When we believe in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from the dead's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. We were dead in sins and trespasses. Say, describe our former state. This realm of death. For we were held in sin's grasp. But now we have been resurrected out of that realm of death. That's amazing. Out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiving of all our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Remember what we started? He said, listen, 
receive what Christ that is coming from Christ. Don't receive what is coming from human mind, human logic. He said, don't let them deceive you. The, the devil is the God of this world using those things. Everything we once swear in Adam has been placed into, onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a, a public spectacle of all the powers, principalities of darkness, stripped him away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like dancing right here. Take it away from What are accusing us for? You've been watching the blood made clean. What's accusing us for? You don't accuse somebody that God has justified. God said, yeah, just, he's, the king, he's the God of all the earth. He's justified. Free. Go, 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 go. Free. Sins forgiven. They turn around and accuse him. If he doesn't know, he'll be listening to you. If he knows, he'll just ignore you. He will know those are the ones Bible is talking, coming from human men. And he says, and by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his prisoners. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, you know, the Bible said the way we receive Christ is the way we live in him. So when we come to Christ, we receive him. Oh, he died for our sins. That's all you knew at that point because you are a baby in Christ. So, but you continue to no, like we read all these things, you continue to know more and more and more, and you continue to believe those revelations coming from the Holy Spirit, coming from Scripture, coming from Scripture. You continue to believe them, and your root in them is going deeper, and the, 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 as your root is going deeper, then the reality of it will be working in your life, because the Holy Spirit will be manifesting those things which you believe. If you say it is yours, it makes it yours in reality. If you say it's not yours, you won't see it. You're not going to see it. I'm telling you, you will see it. So let me, let's look at this one now. Now, when you got saved, you didn't know about being united with Christ, did you? You didn't know, you didn't hear. Now, let's talk about it. It's another progressive revelation you get to know that you are united with Christ, become one with him. And so you got to accept it too. Like you accepted, yeah, he saved you. Now accept this one too. And the more you understand it, the more you are rooting that into that truth is going and the more it's working for you. We are united. You have become one with Christ. Not two. One. Join to divinity. Join to spirit of God. Spirit of Christ. Christ is God. Join, we become partakers of divine nature. God gave us divine nature to partake of it, to be part of it. Incredible, but it's true. First Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. You know that's the marriage. It talks about physical marriage as becoming one body. But the church, it is bride, we have become one spirit with him. This is the only hope of glory. If you don't have Christ in you, you don't belong to God. When you got saved, you didn't know this. Now you are knowing it. 
Now that you have Christ in you, that is the only hope of glory. You say, Pastor, what is glory? Glory is who God is. His character, the fruits of the spirit, the glory. You know, I said it. I said nobody gets respected who is walking in the flesh. I don't say, what, what is it? <laughs> what, what, all these works of the flesh, which one gives glory to anybody? None. Nobody is respected who walks in the flesh. If you are lying, nobody will respect you. They know you're a liar. Nobody will respect you. If you throw anger tantrums, you never get respected. Honestly. People may not talk to you, but they say that's the way he behaves. There is no glory in the flesh. If you are committing sexual sin, nobody will respect you. Even people who are doing it will not respect you. If you're a Christian doing it, they say, but you're a Christian, why are you doing this? Check it up. Where is the glory? It is in the nature of God, in the fruit of the Spirit. When you are patient with people, when you are loving, when you are caring, when you don't lie, when you are truthful, people respect you. People say this man is a man or woman of integrity. You earn their, you earn their respect. The glory of God. The character of God. When you manifest it, you manifest the glory of God. Christ in you gives you that character. He brought that character into you, brought that life into you, and he's there to manifest it through you. He didn't even bring it so you'll be man- No, you can't manifest it because he says it's not by power, not by might, it's always by his spirit. The glory of God is his character. The glory of God is his power. It's his, his authority. It's everything about him. And because Christ is in you, you can experience the fullness of God. You, the Bible says be imitators of God. So you live like God. You live his glory out. Christ in you, being one with him, is the only hope to be able to do this. Because if it's not in you, you don't belong to him to start with. Now, Colossians 1.27. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this majesty, my mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. So when we have Christ, we are united with him. Then the glorious attributes of God will be manifesting through us. Be manifesting through us. As we understand these things more and more, we believe them. I'm united with Christ. I'm one with him. When you believe that and you own that truth, then it starts manifesting. The Christian life is not a struggle. It's not something you, <laughs> you can tie your up and say, I'm going to be good to work. No. It's a life of flourishing because it's not by your power. It's not by your might. Paul said, it's no longer I. It's Christ doing all these things. Now, Moses said that the presence of God in, my, in our life distinguishes us from everybody else. It sets you apart. It makes you supernatural. It makes you extraordinary. It makes you peculiar. Because you now have a component of divine nature in you. You're not just a regular human being no more. It has elevated you in spiritual status. So look at what Moses said. Exodus 33, 15. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? If we don't have your presence, what would distinguish us from other people? Because we are human like them. 
We act like them. We think like them. We do everything like them. But if we bring your component and dimension, it introduces something unusual. They don't have. If you don't go, we are regular. We are going to be like them. But when you go, it brings divine dimension they don't have. He said, that will distinguish your people. Set them apart. There's a presence right here. Walking among them. If you don't go with us, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. They don't have this presence. You have been joined to Christ. Can you imagine what the scripture says has happened to you? That that presence sets you apart from those who don't have it. You are not, they're not a match for you. But you know, you need to know these things and believe them that's true. I don't know how many Christians live with the consciousness of the fact that they have God in them. They have Christ joined to their spirit. They are one with Christ, not two, one. Moses said that, that presence in you sets you apart, brings divine dimension into your life. And the only way to experience it is to believe it. Own it, believe it, accept it. John eleven forty. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you will see God's glory if you believe it? That's all you need to do. You don't need, you don't need all this junk. Just believe. Only believe it. Accept it. That's just, that thank God for it. If, look, let me give you a summit. Wake up every time and say, Lord, I thank you. Christ lives in me. His spirit is joined to my spirit. I am one with him. I give you glory. Do it every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. By the third week, check your life. Check your insight and see what's happening. He will unleash in you. Because God, God is fearful in praises. When you acknowledge him in all your ways, you start acknowledging him, he will start, he will start acting. He will start directing. He will, but if you don't acknowledge him, he will leave you alone because you're acknowledging something else that's not him. You're acknowledging that he's not there. You're making him a liar. And looking for your friends to solve your problem. And then depending on your arm and everything. And then sulking. Thinking that when God sees you, he now says, oh, he has suffered enough. He, won't, he won't, won't look at you. And in his presence is why we have the victory. Brethren, this is amazing. It's amazing. The Bible says, as you know more, your root is going deeper. When you got saved, you didn't know this. Now we're teaching it. You got to know them. Believe them. You live by faith. You see the reality. If you don't want to believe them, you won't see the reality. You'll be going to church and being like every other person. Struggling. <laughs> All you talk about is... Bemoaning your failure and your sinfulness, and the sinfulness is here. You'll be bemoaning it every time and feeling so bad and so this, and then struggling, and then telling people we should stop this and stop that, and they are not able. Because without Christ, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. You can't stop it. Without Christ, we can do nothing. And yet, we don't, we don't hear it. <laughs> we don't hear it. You want to stop it, he's come, joined to you, your spirit become one, has become your strength to make you stop it. And when you rely on him, stop it immediately. 
That's why I said the victory you have over this world is because of Christ in you. First John 4, 4. You, you are of God. Man, we are of God, people. Born of God. Little children, I have overcome, overcome them. See? You need to overcome that thing. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But if you neglect that greater one in you, and you start trying to be, do it by your whatever, you won't overcome. You won't. You get more frustrated. So Paul said in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. I can stop it through Christ. I can stop that thing through Christ. My boast in the, the, the Lord, my God. I can stop it through Christ. He's my life. He's my strength. He joined to my spirit. I make my boast in him. On my own, I cannot. But I'm telling you that because of Christ in me, I can stop you. And listen, I'm talking to you. You can't rule my life. Jesus is my Lord. Man, you raise your sword and kick, cut them to straight. You live by faith. And those things will be manifested. But you won't believe these things. You want to read Ten Commandments and be crying over sin. Every time your testimony is how bad the world is, how, how bad you are. That, that's all you do. There's no testimony of it. No joy. No joy. All you see is doom, evil. Everything. That's all you see. Is it not what you see you become like? All around you, and sickness you want to overcome, nothing. Because all you see is failure. failure. And they're teaching you this all the time. The judge, the judge shall live by faith, but you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear. You don't want to hear. The Bible says, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. People who live by faith have good report all the time because of what Jesus has done and what he's still doing in their lives. Look at what David said, Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? <laughs> oh, man. Who shall I fear? What oh, symptom? Whatever. Sin. Who shall, who shall I fear? The Lord is in, my, is in my heart, in my life. One with him. Who shall I fear? Or dread. The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? King James says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Afraid of what? They're sucking you your job. You rejoice. Go home. They give you pink sleep. You pink sleep. You take it and, and dance from there to your house. Oh my God. You dance from there. Are you kidding me? You dance from rejoicing. Oh, it won't be four days the Lord will open another door for you. Acknowledge him, you bring it to pass. Is this of whom shall you fear company? Are they your supplier? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No, I didn't see the Bible say the company is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord. The Lord. Reason them try us, we can't stand on scripture. We're calling everybody, talking about, talking about how your manager is so terrible. Sucking you might, could be a wonderful or something for you. 
If they didn't sack you, you won't go to where God wants to put you. Sometimes he will allow them to fire you. They fire you. Where, where, where? If you come to me, I will, I will arrange Thanksgiving for you. Say, Pastor, they fired me. I, I'm calling Pastor Victor, please. We have Thanksgiving. We have a God's child who won't, who won't believe him. He's full of fear. He won't leave, he won't leave the company. God wants to give him. He won't go. They fired him. Can we fix his Thanksgiving July 20? And I'll bring you here, your dance and dance. I have seen the Lord goodness, his mercies, and yeah. <laughs> when is God not good? Wait. The fire, he stopped being good. When has he stopped being your provider? When? He said there is no job. It means nothing to him. David said, who shall I fear? What, who? Or what? what is it? And then he went further. Man, let's read it. Psalm 27, verse 2. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. <laughs> they all stumbled and fell. Three. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. He said, my manager doesn't like me. Love him. My heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, even then, in this will I be confident. He won't sleep. Say so they gather by one ear. <laughs> won't sleep. God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You won't hear. Nothing shall by any means harm you. You won't hear. What you will hear is what people tell you. You have to get up in the morning, do this one, you won't sleep. David said, hey, if the world gathers, in this will I be confident, the Lord is my salvation and my strength. Of whom shall I fear? He said, when they come, they fall off, all of them. Didn't, is it not what the Bible says? He said, they gather against you, they will all fall because of you. Christ in us, we are one with his spirit. It should elevate your faith daily, daily, and cancel fear. You know, people like to, to, to pump, pump themselves and manipulate others. There's a lot of people who manipulate people. You know, threatening you for what? You should be able to laugh at them and love them. Tell them, God bless you. They are looking at you. Don't give anybody the opportunity to ruin your day. If you do, you lose. Don't lose the joy of your salvation because of somebody else. David said, of whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. Join to my spirit. And he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, all of them. Now, if you, if you don't know these things that the Bible says your faith should lead you into deeper understanding of all of them, so that as you know them, you, you take them as your own. Do you have any other thing to live for life and godliness that you produced that will work better than what God gave you? Do you have anything? Anywhere that you have produced from anywhere that will help you for life and godliness apart from what God, God himself gave you through Christ. And you will know those things. They are teaching them. You won't listen. Do you have anything better? Second Peter 1, 3 to 4. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Believe and see. 
appropriate it. Yes, Lord. Agree with God so two can work together. That's all it takes. Only believe. You see it working. Salvation is, is bring, brings into reality only by faith. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him, of knowing Christ, who has called us by name and invited us to become to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all prizes, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience. The experience comes. Experience partnership with the divine nature. This being one with Christ has imparted in you all you need for life and godliness, nothing more. That's all you need. That's it all. When you acknowledge this, the just shall about live by faith. When you thank, have you ever, have you ever, how many times have you ever thanked God for this? In the Bible called this priceless gift, that you are united with Christ, brought the life of Christ into you. And the Bible says you are complete now with him. So you don't need any other thing for life and godliness. You have everything you need. You have Christ, nothing more. You are complete in him. You are complete. The fullness, the fullness of divine life is in you. And same with everything that Christ died to give us. He made us righteous. He forgave our sins. The new life is because Christ came into us. What to believe all of it? Saved us from the power of darkness? Yes, because that's what we're reading. Before he came, we, the devil was our master. We were children of the devil, obeying the, children, the spirit that walketh in children of disobedience. But when Christ came into our, our life and joined with our spirit, we now became sons of God. And the power that walketh in us is the power of God. No more the power of Satan. We were set free from the power and kingdom of Satan. Put them under our feet. Do you believe that? Now, let me come for to something that uh, is important, that is a privilege we have because we came to Christ. And without it, we will not, we will not manifest the fullness of our potential as Christians and bring the maximum influence that God wants us to bring with our life. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Very, very important. After salvation, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You read Acts chapter 19, you see why Paul said it. That you are saved so that you are, you are now baptized in the Holy Spirit. Immediately Paul saw this group of Christians. The first question he asked them, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So if he comes and I'll be asking it here, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we don't know if there's anything like Holy Spirit. But look at what the scripture says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power. You shall receive what? I didn't hear. You shall receive what? Power. After the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, many Christians speak in tongues. But I, I want to be as loving and, as I can be by the grace of God. 
But people, you know that most of people who speak in tongues are powerless. Powerless. Their tongues don't even produce anything. I'm telling you, powerless. Because they don't believe that they receive power. They don't believe that they, they don't even know what they receive. And because they don't know, they are praying for anointing. They are fasting for power. And God said, you shall receive power when, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Oh, no. And they say, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But they are still asking God for power, for anointing. Whenever they declare fasting for anointing, they are number one. That tells you they don't know what they receive. They don't even acknowledge it. God says, you have received power. Anointing. Let's hear what our Lord Jesus said about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. John 7, 38. He, he who believes in me, because it's, it's reserved for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're talking about it, because it's part of our, our privilege uh, when we receive salvation. He who believes in me, who I'm reading amplified, who cleaves to me and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continually springs. Listen, he used the word springs and used the word uh, uh, rivers. And you know that spring and rivers are not the same thing. But the only thing is that the water in the spring is the same water in the rivers. So he said, when you are born again, you, you receive springs of living water and rivers, not the same. And God knows what he's talking about. You receive springs. You know what a spring looks like? It's different from rivers. They're not the same. And it's not confused what he's saying. You receive springs and rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of the spirit whom those who believed, trusted, and had faith in him were after what to receive. You, re you believe in him, you receive springs. But now there's going to be rivers. Is the same water, the same spirit of Christ? You receive spring. Many people are at spring level, but there is rivers. The same water, the same Christ, spring, rivers. You should ask yourself, why are you operating? Are you operating at the spring or rivers? And he says that he's talking about the spirit that those who believe in him will receive after. Let me read it again. 
He said, whom those who believe, trust, and, and had faith in him, we are afterward to receive. When you have faith in him, afterwards to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Rivers is talking about the Holy Spirit. And it's his spirit. Because he said, when I go, I'll shed my spirit to you. I'll send it. I'll send it. He said, one like me is coming. Spring. Yep. But he says, there's rivers. There's spring. Spring gives life. Then there's rivers. The same water in the spring turns into rivers. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit that will come. Turn your spring into rivers. And he says, it will come. And the reason it hasn't is because Jesus was not yet glorified, was not, has not yet died and raised from the dead, glorified. He hasn't yet gone to heaven. So that tells you that all the people that God anointed with his spirit in the Old Testament and even John the Baptist, they didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet because Jesus has not been glorified. And he said, why should he put his spirit upon them? Because God does his things by his spirit. God doesn't use human arms. The Bible says he's not served by human arms. So if God wants to do anything at all, he will put his spirit on that person. So that by his spirit, he will use that person to do what he wants to do. But that is not baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus himself said, it is after I'm glorified that that river will come. The Holy Spirit will come. So before his death and resurrection and ascension, nobody received the baptism because he hasn't been glorified. And he said it is for those who believe in him. How do you believe in him? If you believe that Jesus is the son of God and God raised him from the dead. He said you are saved. God hasn't raised him from the dead yet. His blood has not been shed. So nobody got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But remember that the scripture tells us that Jesus had the spirit without measure. So people have the spirit with measure. So they had measure of it that God used to do something through them. But that wasn't the river. That wasn't the river. No, it wasn't the river. That is stream, that river. So let's look at an example of even what the, the measure of spirit that they received did in First Samuel 10, 6. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. Look at what he did in the life of Saul. A measure, a little measure. Turned him into a supernatural man. A little measure. Because the spirit of God is an awesome, powerful spirit. Turns a man into a spirit. Overnight, the man began to prophesy. Remember that the gifts of the spirit, all of them were manifesting except tongues and interpretation. The 
And so in the plan of God, there was a set day that the river will start to come. It will come. It said there that the Holy Spirit will come. But that was after Jesus had gone. Because said, if I don't go, he won't come. So in Acts 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So there was a set day in the plan of God called the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit will come for those that believe in Christ. And will turn their, 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 their stream into rivers, overflowing rivers. He said, so they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That's how the Holy Spirit came. Jesus came in the manger. He came like a rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And they sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. The first time, the first time people were speaking in tongues. Because the, the fullness of the Spirit brought it about. That's the sign of the church age. Can't speak in tongues as the Spirit now gave them utterance. Now remember that John the Baptist said that when Jesus comes, he will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. So when he, when he left, he shared the Spirit. He sent it. It was the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and Christ is God. He said, I'll send it. I'll send the Spirit. So look at what Paul said. I mean, uh, John said, Matthew 3.10. Matthew I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So on the day of Pentecost, he, Christ did that. Jesus baptized his church with Holy Spirit and fire. The river, boom, opened up. Overflowing power. <laughs> the world has never seen anything like that. What John received and those people received, nothing compared with what happened on that day. The river opened up. So we too can say, all of us who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit can say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Can I hear amen? amen? Yes, we can give the same testimony that Jesus gave. The Spirit of the Lord God has come upon me. He has also, what? Anointed me with power to go and preach the gospel Heal the sick, cast out demons, set people free. I'm anointed for ministry. I'm ready. So we can do the works he did. He said, these things you people see me doing, you're going to do them. I'm greater because you are going to do them in, in, in a, a lot of you. You know, <laughs> the Lord taught me something. I never knew this before. He told me, say, see this, you see the parable of the seed that Jesus said, if a, if a seed or something remains, it's not, it remains alone until it is put into the ground. He said to me, you know, when Jesus died, he was a seed. But when he rose, the church rose with him. He said that seed he was talking about was abiding alone. But when it was put into the ground, the church rose so many numbers. That seed wasn't alone anymore. That's it rose with a lot of people.
Look at this scripture. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You can say it's the same. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim <clears throat> that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He said, we, we preach the great gospel of grace. Time of the Lord's favor. Acceptable year of the Lord. When God is accepting people, when, when favor and grace is abounding. So when we preach that gospel, in, a, in, in summary of this, Luke chapter 4, 18. What he's saying is heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Exactly what he told them is what he repeated there for himself. Say the Spirit of God is upon me. I'm now here to preach the gospel, proclaim captives, freedom for captives, the blind, oppressed. It's the same thing. Heal the sick. The same thing. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely given. Acts 18, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, unto the utmost part of the earth. So this, this, this Holy Spirit baptism now enables you to do the same thing Christ did. Preach the gospel and, and demonstrate the kingdom to people. We are not just to preach the gospel. We are supposed to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God. We are not just to go preach the gospel. Read, go and read your Bible. The early church, they will preach the gospel, they demonstrate the reality of the kingdom, and people will see that the kingdom of God is here. How do you demonstrate it? He said, yeah, demonstrate the power I've given you. You have the power. He set you apart from others. You can now heal the sick. Anything you see me do, you can now do. But we're not doing it. Because we don't believe we have the power. And we're ineffective. And we're not living in the fullness of what Jesus died for us to have. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of them. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Look at verse, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common, tattered And with great power, look at that, with great power, but power, with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. He said, you receive this power, you go be my witnesses. Witness with great power now, you give this testimony and demonstrate it. That Jesus is Lord. With great power. With great grace. But we don't believe that we have the power. We, don't, we can't say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. We don't pray. We don't thank God for it. We are running away from demons. Running away from sin. Afraid of sin. Afraid of people. Afraid of everything. Crawling under the chair. Yielding ground to the devil. People upon whom power has come. Acts 19.4, then said Paul, John verily baptized, 
with the baptism of the repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus, verse 5. When they had had this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, 6. And when Paul had laid his hand upon them, you see, immediately after baptizing them, they got the Holy Spirit. They were they immediately. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. What did they do? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. They started doing what they couldn't do before. They were operating in the supernatural realm. In the supernatural realm. And all the men were about 12. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church? Who is operating them? And yet, it's for us. Let me say this thing. The power of the Holy Spirit upon you, and I want you to listen, transforms your world from giving only information to bringing life. See, what can give information? You can preach the gospel, you can teach the Bible and give only information. You can. But when the anointing, when you believe that you're anointed, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, when you acknowledge the power you have received, you activate it. When you activate it, your word is no more giving information. At the same time, it's piercing and bringing life. It's piercing everything that, that has blocked. It is piercing. There's a demonstration of power, the power of God through that word you're speaking. It's not the same. You can preach and massage emotions. You can preach and give information. But if you want to give life, it has to be under the unction of the Holy Spirit. For only God can give life. Look at Acts 2, 36. No, Acts 6, 3. We are for brethren. Look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. See, we do the work of God full of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're anointed. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, look at what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37. Peter's words pierced their heart. It wasn't just information. There was power and life in it. It penetrated all the blockade, all the blockade and all the things the devil has put in their heart. The, 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 that anointing in that world broke those yokes. Penetrated them. It pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, apostles brothers. They started calling them brothers. What should we do? See, there's a difference. God didn't send us to give information. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us. To preach this. That's why he says, you should be with, wait until I've anointed you so that you can now preach with power and pierce and pierce. And a lot of resistance the devil is doing. You can talk to your children under the auction of the Holy Spirit if you know how to work with him. And you start talking to them, it will pierce in their hearts. 
You can talk to your co-workers under the unction of the Holy Spirit. You are not giving them information and saying, no, bro my brother, you know, these are bad times. You know, I want to advise you. No, 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 no. You begin to talk under the unction of the Holy Spirit. That guy is, 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 is finished. If he doesn't respond, he will respond later. Let's read Peter again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, that asked for it, said unto them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you, unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at not by you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men by whom you must be saved. Now, when they saw, what did they see? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant, you don't have any disadvantage if the anointing of God is on you. You don't have any disadvantage because he does everything. They marveled and they took notice of them that they, were, they had been with Jesus and beholding the man which was here standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Case closed. That's why Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you can be my witnesses, displaying the power of the kingdom. But you have to believe this thing. We live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You have to acknowledge that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Can you thank God every day and say, Lord, I give you glory. You have anointed me for signs and wonders. You have anointed me to preach this gospel. I'm not here to give information. I'm here to bring life. Life is in your word. The anointing makes it happen. If you acknowledge it, you stir it up. You ignite it. You make it work. This dimension. So we need to maintain the freshness of this anointing. Jude 1.20. But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. You charge up your spirit. Praying every moment in the spirit. Fasting your heart to the love of God. Don't look at the world. Fasting your heart to the love of God. Receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. You pray all the time in the Holy Spirit. Charging your spirit because everything is from your spirit. Romans 8, 16. The spirit is a bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Everything is from your spirit. You charge it up. You pray in the spirit. You charge it. You charge the anointing up. And maintain the freshness of the Holy Spirit. Look at what Isaiah said. He says in Isaiah 37, 3. And they said to him, Thus said Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble. Why? Why? Why, Isaiah? And of rebuke and of blasphemy. For the children are come to the bath. Not, there is not strength to bring forth. Many Christians are at that stage. There is no strength to bring forth what they know God wants to do in their life. Those strength to bring forth. 
No. No strength. They, they don't preach the gospel. There's no strength to preach it. There's no strength to bring forth in prayer. They can't pray with, with anointing. They are praying all junk, junk things. They, they, they don't have conversation with God under the unction of the Holy Spirit. They don't even know what's happening around them, in their families, in the church. They have no idea. They have no idea whatsoever. They don't pray God-inspired prayer. It's only me, my family, my children. He says it's a day of trouble and rebuke. The children are come to the bath and there is not strength to bring forth. We don't preach the gospel, there's no strength. We have not acknowledged the power that God gave us. We have left it somewhere. Ignore it. Sunday school teacher, you teach under the unction of the Holy Spirit. This job is given to men full of the Holy Spirit, unction of the power of God. Romans 12, 11, never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit serving the Lord. Be aglow, burning in the Spirit serving the Lord. Ephesians 5, 18, and be not drunk with wine, we are in the cynics, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the power through which you preach the gospel that enables you to be a witness for Christ. Your life will be a supernatural, extraordinary life because the power of God has come upon you. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for sharing with us what needs to be done. So we transcend from being like cider, lukewarm, ineffective, just complaining, finding fault, looking at the world, talking about what they did, instead of talking about what you did. So we transcend into the people of power, people that are peculiar, people that are not afraid of sin. We're not afraid of people. We're not afraid of anything because the Lord is the strength of our life. Which transcend into real sons of God, exuding your glory. Come past talking about it. The Bible says we, we should grow and stop talking about the, the foundation of good works. Stop telling lies. Stop. We should grow and go past that. Lord, I thank you because you're faithful to take your word into people and produce fruits. To you be all that glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.